Leslie Mayer, she's co-director, writer, producer of a, a documentary I watched last night. Yeah, you've been talking about it a lot. It was so... First of all, the cinematography was very crisp. Cool. It was a really clean production, and then the content was something that gripped me, because there's so much of this 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 uh, documentary that I could relate to. So Brendan is a pastor in a small evangelical church, and he has a secret. And it's not the secret most evangelical pastors have. In other words, they have... They had an affair with the secretary or something. Oh, okay. He doesn't believe in God anymore. His wife uh, is still... Actually, there's a part of the movie where they actually say the, the congregation would have treated him better had he had an affair rather than the whole, I'm, I'm not, I don't believe in God anymore thing. His wife is still a true believer and she just told the wrong person. She just told the wrong person. And, and then there was... It got out. Really? And then, and then they weren't talking to them anymore wow. and they weren't... Oh, so much happening in my brain right now. Losing Our Religion is a feature-length documentary about preachers who are not believers and what atheists do when they miss church. Allowed access to the 600 members of the Clergy Project, a safe haven for preachers from all faiths who no longer believe. The documentary follows ex-members and clergy who are still undercover. Perfect. They are not just losing their religion. For many, they are losing their friends, community, and even family, as well as their job. As events unfold that... Change lives forever. Their stories also connect with secular communities that are growing in surprising places. New groups are, are experimenting in ways to have church without God and asking the same questions as uh, unbelieving clergy. What next? What's next? Mm. Losing Our Religion is a documentary about community acceptance and a view inside the complicated lives of clergy who are stranded in the rising tide of non-believers. The website is losingourreligion.ca, and the co-director, writer, producer of Losing Our Religion is Leslie Marin. She's on the phone with us. Leslie, this thing really messed with my head last night. Thank I'm you. so glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I don't, not sure. We're going to go, don't worry about the time. We're going to go uh, just as long as I said we're going to go because I've got so many questions. But I, I guess from from your point of view, what was your takeaway? And I know that, you know, in your position, like, oh, well, I don't want to share what my takeaway is because that will influence other people's takeaway. And I don't want, anybody can take away anything they want out of this. I don't care. I want to know what your takeaway is. Well, my takeaway really got summed up when I when I went to visit Houston Oasis, the secular community, and the thing that they have on a lot of their a lot of their posters and and things like that are people are more important than beliefs. Right. And I, I think for me that's that's the big message that that I really took away from talking to all of these people. And we traveled a lot. We talked to a lot of different people. But really what it came down to is there are some fantastic people out there on both sides of the religious divide. We have to find, you know, the we we have to nurture the part where we can all come together and actually support each other, be good to each other. And I so I think ultimately people are more important than whether they believe in God or not. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you started off with that because I wrote that down. People are more important than beliefs. <sighs> Here's my here are my thoughts on that. First of all, that is a belief. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it is. <laughs> and and without beliefs, what are people? Everybody has beliefs. Everybody has a you know what, what some people call it a moral compass, a moral code. I'm spiritual. Um, yeah, spiritual but not religious yep. or whatever. Um, so everybody does have beliefs. You know, Bob Dylan, you got. Uh, Believe in something, right? You got, still got to believe. Still yeah. got to. Well, no, that's not how the Everybody song goes. must get stoned. No, that's not the song, Tim. Oh, sorry. Wrong song. All right. 
Um, but people are more important than beliefs. I was, I was just wrestling with that all night last night and just wondering how true I feel about that, you know? I get it. I really do. And I think, I think religious people, I guess the question is, can religious people be nice without religion? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, I think I think there are, you're either a nice person or you're not, yeah. and it, it doesn't. You know, nobody's nobody's cornered the market on compassion or morality or any of that sort of thing. There are lots of lots of atheists who are incredibly compassionate, uh, kind, and and have a very strong moral compass. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot of the people I talk to are exactly those those kinds of people. And then there are a lot of people who are in churches, which is supposed to give you a, a, a sense of morality and teach you more about compassion, who can be actually really quite cold and, and even cruel. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, was, it was interesting to me to just kind of see where religion kind of informs who you're kind to and who you aren't who gets treated with compassion and who doesn't. Yeah. And, and the part that I find really interesting is is that I'm going to judge you based on one aspect of your personality, and that will inform how I treat you. Listen, I dig this because, I don't know, how many years ago was it, Tim? Seven, seven years ago that I came out on I air? I think so, yeah. Uh, and, and the parallels, I, I'm sorry for everyone who's in the gay community who who is, is going to go, no, it's nothing like that. I'm, it's all I can sort of compare it with is, you know, h- hiding my doubts for so long, and then all of a sudden I come out on radio, on a on, on Canada's, you know, largest Christian radio station, uh, and I come out and say, you know, I'm no longer convinced that there's a God, and man, did I have weird, weird reactions. The reactions to my statement were far more interesting than my statement. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm really digging this thing. Now, Greta Vosper, we had her on the show a while ago. She's the United Church Minister who's an atheist here in the Scarborough, the Toronto area, the GTA. But uh, the United Church finally said to Greta, okay, you can't be a minister anymore. True story? Well, sort of. I mean, this is the really weird thing. They, they've declared her unsuitable for ministry. The problem is that the United Church is traditionally so progressive that they don't know how to excommunicate somebody. <laughs> right. And they, yeah. they don't have a process. Yeah. So she's technically unsuitable for ministry, but she's still pastoring West Hill United Church, and, and she's still there. So it's this long, drawn-out process while they try and figure out what exactly to do with her. They've, they've kind of made a pronouncement now, but what that will mean in a nuts and bolts sense, is still up in the air. And Greta was one of our contributors, which is why, you know, we we had to put in kind of a title card at the end of, of her story, because um, when we last talked to her, she, it was still, they were still deliberate yeah. and had been for months. Um, okay, let's go, let's go to Richard Dawkins in this conversation, because he, he features uh, prominently in this, in this documentary. Yeah. Was there anything that Richard Dawkins said that unsettled you? Not really. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I went in knowing very clearly uh, what Richard's position was on religion. He's made that very clear, so it was, it was completely expected. Um, he really thinks that religion is a destructive force. And he really would like to see a world without religion. This is this is his philosophical position on things, yeah. and it's his opinion. Yeah. You know, and, and we all have opinions. 
Um, well, he said, he said, religion is one of the great evils of the world, and I really would like to see it die. Yep. And he really, he, he, that is really his, his opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily hold exactly the same opinions as Richard, but you can't deny that there are some things in the world that are, or some effects of religion that are less than positive. Sure, well, look, I've said this. Jehovah's Witnesses who shun their families if they don't believe the right way, or churches that, when they have a pastor who doesn't believe, are actually pretty nasty to them. Yeah, yeah. I've said this numerous times on the show, you know, Jesus, uh, from what I have read and understood, basically said, to hell with religion, and that's one of the reasons he got he got killed. Yep. And then his followers started a religion. Yeah, losers. Uh, a little ironic. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. You know, the the overall, the overarching, the big feeling I was left with undercover and under pressure. Yeah, that's it. Uh, at the end of this documentary was why did it take Richard Dawkins and the atheists to provide a safe place for doubting or unbelieving clergy? Why the flip couldn't? The Jesus people take care of them. Well, because it flies in the face of it, it, there's there's a, a bridge too far, right? Um, you are allowed to doubt, but you're not allowed to come to a conclusion. And I think that's really where it is. Uh, the, when you're in seminary, for a lot of people, especially the more fundamentalist religions, uh, just learning about the history of the Bible is a traumatic thing. Mm. They actually have people in seminaries that who, whose job it is to help. Uh, you know, walk some of their their students through the trauma of understanding that, well, this isn't like just kind of, you know, written word of God beamed straight to somebody who wrote it all down and it's never changed. Mm-hmm. So there's there's kind of that, but but there's that whole, you know, once you once you take that final step of saying, I don't think there is a God, you can't be part of that tribe. You can't be part of that community anymore, because that is the the kernel that they've decided is the key to membership. So I think that we need to have, um, you know, like if it weren't for Richard Dawkins and Dan Barker, there would be no clergy project. They they really were the ones who conceived of and pulled it together. And uh, and with studies like the one that Dan Dennett and Linda Lascola did, we wouldn't even know they really exist. And when their first study came out, I thought, oh, that's interesting. There's a handful. When their second study, follow-up study, came out and, and they had formed the clergy project, I realized that this is actually really huge. You don't know walking into a church what that pastor actually believes or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to introduce uh, the other irritating noise in the background, <laughs> my co-host slash engineer slash childhood friend, Tim the Tool. Hey, how you doing, Leslie? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. More- we don't let him speak very often. Yes, so, so I'm, I'm taking this moment. Obviously, Drew's <laughs> turning over a leaf, uh, inspired by all of this, uh, people changing their lives. Yeah. Um, more of a comment, or, or maybe it's a question as well, but, you know, we do this whole thing, like, I can't believe, you know, it was the atheists that are helping these people out. Part of me, like, if Dawkins is all about, let's get rid of religion, is he really helping them or is he helping himself exactly it's kind of a it's a catch-22 there you he's like he can't trust his motivation but does it really matter if somebody's uh finding a new community to be part of right you know what i mean leslie yeah absolutely and and you know what i think it's it's the action that counts more than than the thought behind it i mean i think for richard in talking to him it was it was two things i think that he really does feel a deep compassion for people who are trapped 
in a situation where they have to say things that they don't believe, because he has always had the freedom to say exactly what he thinks. And, you know, to him, that is that is a, a very important part of his life. So he really does have compassion for them, and that's that's part of where this grew out of. The side benefit that, listen, if they can see the preacher doesn't even believe this stuff, and, you know, that might help nudge people over to our side, that's all good, too. Mm. So, you know, I, I don't think there's there's necessarily a conflict within that. Leslie Mayer on the line with us. Am I pronouncing your last name correct, Leslie? Yes, you are. Co-director, writer, producer of Losing Our Religion. The website is losingourreligion.ca, losingourreligion.ca. I'm assuming that uh, people can kind of get this in. You know what I would like? Hold on. Let me just verbalize this. Tim, do you think you could ever imagine a church playing this documentary uh, maybe they're not going to play it on a, on a Sunday morning because Sunday morning it's such a wide, you know, who knows why people are there. It's the a collection played out too. But, yeah, <laughs> that's right. But, you uh, you know, if you offer it up as a special event or an evening or whatever, do you think people would come? Do you think a church would, would let it roll? It depends on the church. Yeah. But have, have church, do you know churches that have played this, Leslie? Not yet. Uh, but we've been approached by uh, a couple of Unitarian congregations, um, yeah, and this... actually some progressive churches have expressed interest. So, yeah, but this is what I'm saying. Like, this is this is the thing that drives me bonkers. If your God is really God, then what is so threatening about this documentary that you can't offer it up to be shown on a Thursday night or whatever? Well, that's that's the problem. Uh, you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. And um, it, it just, it, the reality is, is you, you can't be perfect. There's no absolute. You know, we weren't there. We didn't see Jesus, you know, come back from the dead. And, you know, and so it's all about faith. And, you know, Richard Fenneman said, and I may have said this last week as well. This is my new favorite quote. I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Right. And I think this, this kind of falls under that people not being allowed to question. Mm-hmm. But you need to question in order to, to become stronger. You need to, like, exercise. You need to push yourself farther than you did last time in order to get stronger. Leslie, the, I guess, byline or tagline for our show is a quote from a friend of mine, Dr. Daniel Taylor, uh, who wrote The Myth of Certainty. And uh, the quote is that doubt is more compatible with faith than certainty. I would think you would resonate with that now after having done this documentary, would you not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think people... People of faith have their doubts. I think, you know, most, uh, if, you, if you talk to most atheists, they're not absolutely, you know, 100% certain that there is no God. Even Richard Dawkins has said, I'm actually, if you took the belief to non-belief on a scale of one to five, I'm actually a four, not a five. In, in you know, so there's that thing there that says, you know, if there was evidence, if there was actual incontrovertible physical evidence, I would change my mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so the, it's, it's really a, a difference there that with faith, you're not supposed to have, have to rely on that. You're supposed to be a number. You're supposed to be a one. Yeah. Absolutely, it's true. Yeah. Um, what was it, the, the uh, Ham on Nye debate? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ken, Ken Ham and, and yeah, Bill, uh, Nye. Bill Nye, the science guy. Of course, Ken Ham's the guy from the Creationist Museum and the big nose arc just, you know, display and all that stuff. The big nose arc? Yeah, they've got a full life-size Noah's arc. Oh, they said nose. Yeah, no. Maybe my year's gone off. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, uh, the the way to summarize that whole thing was at the end, uh, they were asked, okay, what would it take for you to change your position, your mind? 
and uh, and Ken Ham said um, n- nothing will change my mind, nothing, and Bill Nye said yeah facts. <laughs> we are on the line with Leslie Mayer. She's co-director and writer and producer of Losing Our Religion. Uh, Leslie, have you had people, I don't know, send you hate mail or get angry with you or call you names? You know, so far, no. Okay, can uh, I start? Which is, <laughs> well, you could try. It won't hurt my feelings. No. Um, I anticipated that we'd get some pushback, uh, actually, and I was kind of prepared for that. Um, but honestly, uh, the only the only thing that I had that was even remotely negative was um, there was a review of the film in the United Church Observer, and they they felt that I I didn't have a nuanced understanding of religion, um, which is kind of a little bit of a side swipe. Well, of, yeah, I, I guess ultimately what they're what everyone's talking about is you know you it really at the heart of the math behind it, how can you say there is no God, and then teach about God. Well, I, you know, John Shuck, one of our pastors in the film, does a really great job of that. Um, he doesn't believe in an actual deity, but they talk about um, the big questions in life and that sort of thing. They they look at the religious texts, and they do a certain kind of interpretation on how do we use this to make the world a better place. So in a sense, he is still kind of preaching the essence of what Christianity is supposed to be, um, but there's... For him, there's no supernatural involved. So this is the interesting thing, is you have these people who are highly educated in their field. You know, a lot of them have master's degrees, or at least a, a degree in theology. They've, they've got all of this knowledge and all of this thing. They've just come to the conclusion that it's not literal. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's um, they're still actually really good at their jobs. They're still good at ministering to people, which is a big part of what that job is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I wonder what role you think, and and, and because you don't have much, I, I think you said this to me on the phone when we were speaking earlier, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you don't come from a big religious background, right? Not really. I, I grew up in the United Church where I sang in the choir and that sort of thing, but yeah. we were in a pretty liberal congregation where I think most of us really didn't believe any of that stuff was, like, real. Right, right, right. So I wonder how much... Or what role you think bad the and I use the quotes around bad bad theology has you know has played in all of this, and it ranges from the condescension or the condescending comments that I might have gotten from people when I came out and said you know I'm no longer 100 percent convinced that there's a God as I you know I came 30 years uh, Leslie I was part of the certainty tribe, um, and I'm I'm not part of that tribe anymore, and then I got this hugely condescending, just a, an array of condescending comments from people basically saying, you know, well, you don't really know what you're talking, or you don't know the real God, and, you know, you just you just need to do this, you just need to do that, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, then, you're, just, you're just doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then it goes the other way, where when I hear of a friend of mine named Paul Young, William P. Young, he wrote the book The Shack, good Canadian kid that he is, huge bestseller. When I read that book, it really helped put into perspective how wonky my theology was, and therefore I had false expectations of this divinity, false expectations of how this divine being should interact with me. Uh, and I just, you know, there's a part of me that goes, oh, man, if, I wonder if these people, you know, they came in, maybe they grew up with this denominational baggage or that denominational baggage or rejection from Christians, 
And if and if that stuff didn't go down, I wonder where they would be. You know, so I, ultimately the question in my mind, and Tim, I'll bring you in on this as well, is what role do you think bad theology plays with people bailing on God? Uh, I would hope everything. I hope that is the problem because um, you've been led to believe something for so long and then all of a sudden um, it's it's challenged. And I think that would, goes back to what I said before. It's when you can't question things, when you can't ask a question. And I think a lot of bad theology is is based on being unquestioning about sure. what they're Dogma. saying. Yeah. The, the second you, you question it, you start to question it. And, if you've, and if you've never had a chance <laughs> to do that before, yeah. then it really messes with your head. Leslie? Well, I you know, it's I, I think it's actually really hard to say. I mean, I, I think a lot of people practicing Christians don't actually read the Bible in any kind of detail. They, they have selected bits that they go to and, yeah. and that sort of thing, and, and that's good enough for them. Um, ministers are a little different. They have to study the whole darn thing, and that seems to be <laughs> kind of a, a catalyst to saying, okay, this just can't be real. Right. This can't be actually a thing. Yeah. Uh, so... I think one of the best ways to become atheist is to study your Bible really closely. <laughs> um, it's it's a sad but true thing. And, and yet there's so many others that, that's the opposite story, like Lee Strobel. He was an investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune, I think it was, and, uh, and, and he set out to prove the Bible wrong and started researching and investigating and studying and blah, 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 and then became this huge Christian apologist. So mm-hmm. I've heard that story numerous times. Oh, but that's interesting. Have you ever read his book? Yes. I've okay. read a few of them over the years, yeah. As someone who's in a kind of a semi-journalistic profession, yes, that's very weak journalism. Interesting. Uh, if that's what he's doing, because he only talks to one side, and he unquestionably, unquestioningly accepts their explanation. So there's no back and forth. There's no... This was not a book that was actually meant to argue Christianity for people who don't believe. It, it's yeah. a preach to the converted. Yeah. And quite honestly, I understand that he was a, a very accomplished journalist, um, but I know that his journalism was a lot more polished than the... Than the book that was published the, in order to preach to the choir and sell to the crowd that's already on board. I really think so. Yeah, yeah. I actually, my my daughter brought home a, a copy. Someone in the hallway of her of her school handed handed it off to her. They were proselytizing and brought it home. And I can't stand to have a book on my coffee table that I haven't read. So I, I read the whole thing and kind of went like, "What?" <laughs> so does that mean <laughs> if we came over and just started dropping books on your coffee table, you just she'd read them? She'd just go and say, "What kind of, of books should we drop off there? <laughs> this is going to be fun." <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Uh, there is one scene in there. This has nothing really to do with what we're talking about, but there, it's it's shot so beautifully. There's so many crisp, crisp uh, scenes that you guys uh, laid out, and uh, it's really well done. But that bridge that the couple were on, there was this you know this archaic sort of looking mossy bridge with waterfall near it and stuff. Where was that? That is in uh, that is in Whatcom Park in uh, Bellingham, Washington. Okay. That looked like the same bridge that was in the movie The Shack. I don't know if you have you seen the movie The Shack, Leslie. I haven't. No. Yeah, it was so interesting for you to see that. It was uh, there's some interesting things in there as well. To have your brain pull apart the Shack book, you know, the book's always better than the movie. Blah blah blah. But it would be interesting. But anyway, yeah. I, how far from Multnomah Falls would it be? I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm Moving sure. along from the bridge and the waterfall. Um, I want to finish with the point that I came away from the most. 
Do you think, from what you've experienced, having been involved with the, this uh, this documentary, Losing Our Religion, losingourreligion.ca, do you think there is any hope of two things happening? One, Christian, and spe- let's just put on more taglines here, or descriptors, evangelical Christian churches having the testicular fortitude to play this movie uh, uh, for a Thursday night home group or, you know, a big thing and use it as a conversation piece. Do you see that happening? What do you think? Yes or I no? Don't, I don't no. see that happening. I, I would be delighted if someone did. I think that's, I, I would think that is fantastic that people would be willing to have that conversation. But I think that that conversation is really threatening to a lot of people yeah. of faith <clears throat> and, and that especially that particular type of church I just, I, I just don't see that. I could okay. see any number of of the more progressive Presbyterian, Methodist, or or you know, um, United Church people yeah. doing it. But I, I just think it would it would be something. It it would play up too many things that they don't really want to talk about, or that they yeah. only want to decry. Yep. Well, if they can't play Harry Potter, they're certainly not going to play this. So. I would think so. Yep. Um, okay, and the second and the final question, and for me, this is the linchpin for the whole thing. Can you imagine an evangelical Christian church, or just a denomination, setting up a ministry like the Clergy Project for clergy who have checked out, and they've said, I no longer believe. And this project is there to support them, and not to turn them back into believers. Support them, encourage them, help them to find jobs in in other careers, help them transition out. Can you see the evangelical church doing that? Well, no, and I think the reason right there is is the name of the organization, the the name of, of the group of people you're talking about, evangelical. I mean, evangelicalism is based in converting people, as as Dan Barker said, you know, winning souls to the army of Christ. That's that's their reason for being. It would kind of go against what they are, what their purpose in life is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't see that. Um, I'm really glad that the Clergy Project is there. I think it's a wonderful organization. Um, and, you know, I... I hope that um, more and more of those ministers find their way out where they can be completely authentic and talk about how they feel and how they re- what they really believe. What a pleasure to have you on our show. With your permission, because you're the big cheese, would you mind if we played a few minutes of the audio version of, of the documentary? There's It's the section where... I don't know what the rules are in this, but you're the big cheese behind it, so it's got to be fine. Where the uh, the pastor's wife is basically saying, these people that we had in our homes that we lived with and shared, and just, I mean, the tight inner, they haven't even connected, they haven't even reached out. Yeah, no, feel free. And, and you know, Jen was really, she was the, the big surprise for me. I was talking to preachers. Brendan said, I want to bring my wife to the interview. And I said, okay. And I just realized, wow. These are two people who are taking the same journey, but they're doing it hand in hand. And they were just so amazing. They're just fantastic people. I can't say enough nice things about them. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on the show, Leslie, and we'll play this clip for our listeners, but we'll say goodbye to you right now. LosingOurReligion.ca, Leslie Mayer. She's the co-director, writer, producer of this documentary, Losing Our Religion. Pleasure to chat with you, Leslie. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Have a listen to this. Now, this is the setup again. This is the pastor's wife speaking, and then you'll also hear the pastor. And the church has found out one of her friends ratted them out. Basically, she confided in one of her friends about her husband's not believing. Her husband doesn't believe anymore. She still, you know, is there, but not quite. Anyway. Yeah. I don't gossip, but you know who does? Yeah, exactly. And uh, this, is, this is her sharing what the reaction has been from her inner circle. When we got home, everything got silent. No one talked to me. There was no phone calls, no Facebook messages, no anything. Brennan has the kindest heart. I'm like, trying to talk to him, like, hey, no one's called us. These people that said that they were going to be there for us aren't calling us. They're not stopping by, nothing. And he's like, they're still our friends. He started getting really mad at me. And he started sounding like Pastor Brendan, and that's what I would call him when he was pastoring me and not being my husband. So I went to the laundry room and grabbed a sock and stuck it on my hand. Pastor Brendan, making the pastor's wife always do things first. And that's how 10 years have been. It's okay, well, you need to be the better person because you're the pastor's wife and you need to set the example. Well, this time, I didn't want to, I'm not the pastor's wife anymore. I didn't want to make the first step. I wanted them to make the first step. So I actually got on the phone and started sending text messages to everybody. And I didn't tell Jen. I was like, hey, can you, can you call my wife to see how she's doing? She's very alone. You know, I saw Jen on the phone a couple days later talking to everybody. And so I thought that they had said, oh, well, Brendan's reaching out. So we probably want, you know, them to talk to Jen. And no, like Jen called them. Like she had to call her best friends from church to, to have somebody to talk to. And none of those conversations went well. And so I called the circle of friends, each one called straight down the line. One friend questioned how I'm gonna raise my children. How can I raise my children if I don't have faith? And they didn't know if they can even have a play date because I'm gonna raise my children horribly. I had another friend tell me because I didn't tell her in the beginning that I don't trust you anymore. And she said, well, we sat at your table for Easter and you had the audacity to let him pray. At Easter, I had no clue. None. So you're yelling at me and you're angry with me and I had no clue. My faith, my ethics, my morals, the whole kit and caboodle, everything is being thrown out there and questioned. My view of Christianity is you love your Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Community is going to someone and talking to someone when they're going through a crisis. Whatever that crisis may be, you're supposed to be the support system. Like, church is supposed to be the body of Christ. I really need to emphasize that it wasn't everyone at church that acted like this. Some people did call and check in on us, which we're grateful for, but they weren't our peers. They weren't the people that sat in my house to have Easter, and they weren't the people that we sat in their house for Christmas. Brendan gets a phone call um, from a guy um, who's also in the circle of our of our friends, and then he gets friend dumped. He called, he combined them, frumped. He got frumped. I went to meet a friend that was breaking up with me as a friend because I don't believe anymore. I remember just asking him, I was like, what, why my wife? I mean, I can understand everyone being mad at me. What's wrong with her? What did she do? If I had committed adultery and I cheated on her, would not every woman in the church have surrounded her? 
and felt bad for her and coached her through this? Why is this worse? And he looked me in the eye and he says, of course it's worse. I was like, what? What do you mean, of course it's worse? He's like, yeah, it's infinitely worse. Infinitely worse. It would have been better if he had an affair or committed a felony than lose his faith. And if he would have had an affair or committed a felony, they would be by my side and being my friends. But because this is like the worst thing ever, then no, they're out. And I was like, what are you, new? Like, have you never listened to a single sermon I ever preach? My perspective was always grace. My perspective was always, hey, you know, the gospel's offensive enough, we don't need to be. It's kind of been a tragically beneficial thing for us. But because of either the neglect or the rejection, that's actually driven us together. She knew that I wasn't the wrong one, that I was the right one, and that they were the broken people. And I never told her this, I never tried to convince her of this, but they did my job for me. The church's reaction to my wife did my job for me and helped my marriage by being judgmental or neglectful and angry people. Man, uh, that is a conversation I was riveted by. And again, the documentary is called LosingOurReligion.ca. And again, my biggest takeaway from watching this doc is how real is your faith? How big is your God? And do you understand the concept of, I'm sorry, I'm going to get scriptural here, but, uh, you know, Jesus said, well, if somebody kind of turns away and, and doesn't want to be part of the, the tribe anymore, how should you treat them? Like a tax collector. And people have taken that as, oh, we should shun them and get them out and get them outside of our, our group. No, that's not it. Because how were tax collectors were viewed as sinners? And, and, what, and what, how, how did Jesus deal with sinners? He hung out with them. Yep. Chicken my head. Anyway. Unbelievable.